0: G'day punters and welcome back to Tabs Inside 50. I'm Nick Quinn and I'm surprised as anyone, Shane Crawford, they've got us back for another season. Welcome to you.
1: Uh, Why wouldn't they, you know, especially over the last six months while there's been no footy. Podcast is going berserk, everyone's jumping on board and listening to some of the greats of AFL and we've got a very special player... And former player, I should say, recently retired, but uh, an absolute warrior, so looking forward to having a chat with him.
0: An absolute superstar, 302 magnificent games for the Melbourne Footy Club, three best and fairest, a very warm welcome to Nathan Jones.
1: Thanks, Quinny,
2: thanks, Crawl, <laughs> thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> what are your thoughts about stepping into the podcast with us two today? It must be a little bit daunting, intimidating. <laughs> no, I
2: wouldn't have thought so. Um, nah, it should be a bit of fun, um, light-hearted, hopefully, and... Uh, yeah, no, it's nice to see you both. Obviously, uh, Quinny, I saw you not too long ago at the Super Bowl <laughs> set up.
1: What, you went to the fun. Super Bowl with No, Quinny? no, oh.
2: we well, he set me up in Melbourne. I felt like I was oh, at the Super geez. Bowl. It was a good party. Yeah, right. Monday morning, we're having a beer at 10 a.m. The perks of retired life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's been a while since I've seen you, Croft, but
1: Tanned tans yes living up not that Relaxed. i go not that i go looking for the tan these days i'm like trying to hide from the sun but uh yes when you live up near the sun it's hard to get out of it but what about Nate? he's just rocked in and he's he's got all the tats i've never noticed all the tats on his leg before when mainly because he's probably had these socks on when he was playing but he's he's got some rippers there and then he's he's rocking the beautiful blingy watch Life's pretty good, hey, being a former Melbourne champion.
0: He's obviously not got the memo that when you retire, you've got to let yourself go somewhat. Because uh, I live near Jonesy, and i would just gone for a, I'll call it a run. Some would call it a slow uh, to the other hanging day. hanging out
1: the front of his place waiting for him to come <laughs> out. And
0: right? he's strutting around with no shirt on. You should yep. have seen how slow all the cars were going by as all the mums around the area stopped to check him out, Jonesy. You've never looked fitter. As a footy player, you had a lot of success. We're going to look at some of that today. Tell us about the early days. We were a sports-loving kid from day dot, and when... When did you start to realise, geez, I'm pretty good at this footy caper?
2: Um, I, my parents encouraged me heaps to play a lot of different sports, but I, I was probably a little bit alternative into in, um, in comparison to sort of the common Aussie kid. Uh, you know, sort of footy, cricket, basketball are probably the keys um, for young boys, I would have thought. But um, I sort of like did in summer, like a lot of athletics, swimming, uh, then I got into surfing, triathlons, funnily enough, I've gone full circle and I'm training for a triathlon right now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've sort of was on and off with that until I've really committed to about probably 16 when it just became, it was too hard to juggle it. So, you know, I did reasonably well from a, um, you know, in the athletic swimming triathlon sort of space. i um, you know, went to nationals and state champs and stuff like that. And then trying to balance that with footy and then all of the rep footy that comes along, particularly around that sixteen mark. Preseasons chewed into summer and at some point I just had to make a commitment. It was about sixteen that I was like, I'm gonna have a crack, see how we go. Um, now yeah, that's like the I was part of the TAC Cup, Danny Long Stingrays and um, you know, pre season sort of began and I played one or two games as a 16 year old in the under 18 comp and then that was where I was like made a full on commitment to having a crack at that.
1: And is that where you got a few kicks and you thought, do you know what? I'm not far off if I can just dedicate myself and yeah, have it as a sole focus and obviously you've loved you know when you when you talk about all those sports—they're all sports that I love. Like you, obviously, love getting out and and being active and yeah, testing yourself. You know. Yeah, for sure. I Even think. with the triathlons, you know, you've, you're gonna have to lose all that big strong muscle on those <laughs> and those biceps, and you have to cut out the bench press
2: because you're gonna, I've know. done that. <laughs> so I signed up for the Melbourne Mar- uh, Melbourne marathon, Melbourne what? Ironman half what? Ironman, which is. 18 days from now. Oh, gee.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully, you have been training. Well, I have been training a lot. Um,
2: and yeah, I sort of did that off the back of when I retired. I came home, COVID, two new babies, which took me to four kids. Wasn't really sure what was next. I just needed to find a bit of routine. And I was real conscious of that. Like, if I didn't get into a bit of a groove in some capacity, I would have just really floated along and was worried about where I like might end up. Um, so yeah, I just like other than changing nappies and being there for the babies and stuff with my wife, um, I needed to find some some of my own time. So I committed to setting a goal, which was the seventy point three Ironman, which um, that's what I started to train for. Probably been training properly for that for fifteen weeks.
0: And a lot of footy players must struggle with that because during your career you're told what to do and when to do it, and then all of a sudden you're left to your own devices. Yeah, well
2: that's all I'd ever known, Um, and and even going back further than that, that's how I was as a kid too. Like um, it was eat, sleep, school, train, pretty much, and you know hang out with mates on a Friday or Saturday night, and then back into it again, and that's like that was my whole life until getting drafted and then essentially it was just like a hyper version of that more focus more stakes as an AFL player so I pretty much done that for over 20 years so that was I was real conscious of when I finished like you know I would needed to find something again like find a purpose and find it pretty quickly or else from what I've seen and Crawford know too and guys just sort of float along and you, know, you can you can be in a very different space pretty quickly if you don't, you know, find some real purpose in what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome because I think you're so right. Um, you know, obviously having football as your life. And, and the thing is, when I finished footy, I felt like it was, yeah, like it was I was like I was grieving mm. because, you know, that had been a part of my life. Even though I was ready to move on, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. But, um, yeah, you, you feel like... You're sort of grieving, and you got to park that that is no longer. So, having a purpose is so important. You have got to do things that you're passionate about, things that really sort of make you want to jump out of bed. It's great that you've jumped straight into. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, for a, oh, a lot of people
2: say to me, like a lot of my mates, even my wife thinks I'm <laughs>
1: nuts. But I, do you know what? I've worked it out because I've got four kids myself. And <laughs> get out of the house. <laughs> you've got to find a way to get out of that bloody house. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going for a ride five hours oh, later. i tell you what, my first year <laughs> out of footy, apparently I've never worked so hard in my life. But I never had contracts with anyone, Channel 9 or anything like that. I just used to go, <laughs> Quinny, uh, because i tell you what, I couldn't tolerate the kids. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Better move on before we get you in trouble, Shane Crawford.
1: I'm always in trouble, mate.
0: Now, the 2005 <laughs> National Draft, for mine... It is the best at the top. It was absolutely sensational. Listen to this. We had Nathan Jones go pick 12. In the top 14, these names, Mark Murphy, Dale Thomas, Josh Kennedy, Scott Pendlebury, Sean Higgins, Grant Birchall. That's as good as it gets. It was a top draft. Going into the draft, you must have been very confident you would get drafted. How did you assess yourself against these other star players that I just read out?
2: Um, Well, I had a feeling I could have gone anywhere from maybe... Five to twenty. Yep. Um, yeah, like there was some interest from Collingwood at five, but in saying that, I was pretty like pretty real about my year. I was underage, so like as a, I was only a seventeen year old at that and in that year, <clears throat> um, and I played like a lot of school footy, and my, I was part of the um, AGS, not the APS, which is like the weaker of the private school competitions, and so you know that cost me probably. Half of a TAC Cup season, I reckon. And I was probably lucky that our TAC Cup team was quite successful. We ended up playing in a curtain raiser grand final against Gippsland that year. I think it was the Sydney West Coast, the Leo Barry. Yep, mark. Round
0: the first Sydney Mel- uh, West Coast one, 2005. Yeah,
2: yeah. um, and we didn't win that game, but that probably helped in, in some capacity. And I played Metro and stuff that year. But yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I, it was a pretty strong, strong draft. Um, obviously, I got to see Daisy and Pendle's up close in the granny, um, and you know Daisy put on a genuine clinic. Um, and yeah, let like, you know it was a, it, you know, I, I think I look back and I was pretty happy with how it all ended up. To be honest, I was a kid from Mount Eliza. I was probably pretty concerned about going into state. Well, um, real family person, and um, I you know, didn't really want to leave them, so I couldn't have probably asked for a better option. Considering the only closer team would have been St Kilda, as far as from Mount Eliza to Morab, and I lived in Mornington and drove to um to so we train we were all over the place to be honest in my first year, um, but drove from Mornington to Junction Oval pretty much for training for the first two years of my career.
3: Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. And with Tab Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, total points and anytime goal scorer, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play.
2: Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help one 858 858
0: and you entered a team that was going along very nicely and you made your debut in round 17 against the Western Bulldogs. What can you recall about that game? And basically, you never looked back. Yeah,
2: Neil Danaher really made me earn it, um, that's for sure. Um, but uh, in saying that, um, I got a heap of great experience playing in the VFL for that the first 16-odd games. And they were a really strong team as well. So at the time, we were aligned with the Sandringham um, zebras and they'd won three flags in a row I'm pretty sure and um, so yeah we were on top of the ladder and there was a good bunch of guys down there as well and then um, I was lucky enough to get my chance you know we had a real strong midfield so for me to try and crack in like that, well, I think we finished fifth that year um, but yeah I got to play the last six games of that season um, and my debut game which was that Doggies game was Adam Uze's 250th game. So it was a pretty cool day. Um, overshadowed a little bit by him, obviously. But um, <laughs> but no, we are I, – I, and, and funnily enough, I remember my first opponent was Daniel Cross. Then come to, come the end of his career, he's my teammate. Then he's our rehab coach. So the, uh, there's some funny links there, but that um, no, was good. I remember
1: it very good. And, and, uh, and what uh, can you remember – your first game? You know, what was yeah, what yeah. Were the feelings like? A, my first touch, touch First touch was on the wing. Out by yourself. How'd you get some space by yourself? <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I can't recall that, but I was, I think I took an easy little lead up mark it was my first kick. Um and then I was I was frazzled, like just so there's so much going on. I, even when you watch the vision, I'm like looking around like trying to make a decision. But
3: yes.
2: I felt more comfortable, you know, five or ten minutes later and Yeah, it was was a fun day. It was probably not until the second week that I really felt comfortable. Like, the first week was just so much energy and so much nerves and just wanted to get it over and done with, whereas round two I felt a heap more comfortable. Kicked my first goal and... It's much, much more, uh, felt much more natural. And I mean, you
0: never looked back. They didn't give you your spot to anyone else, which was superb. <laughs> and the Dees were pretty good that season. You went on and yeah, you made yeah. the final to that big win over St Kilda at the MCG. Then you yeah. went over and played against Freo in a final. And then you came back and played in the premiership in, in premiership. the VFL. Yeah, so yeah. it was a great first season.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Oh, that's what I mean. Those those, those last, that last like two or three months was an awesome experience Um And I was sort of like pinching myself. I was a Mad Saints fan when I was a kid. So that first final was pretty cool. Like I remember um, sort of lining up on Robert Harvey and there was a bit of stuff in the media that week. And like I think um, there was some random, I can't remember what the random um, connection was. But anyway. um,
1: He was down that way, wasn't he? He was a Frankston? Yeah, yeah. I think Seaford maybe. Seaford. Yeah. And and your brother backed for the Swans as well. Uh, the, Saints. the Saints, yeah, yeah and our whole family game. was like
2: mad Saints fans. Um, that's funny. Now Zach actually <laughs> plays there, um, but yeah, like, uh, and then obviously, as you said, we went over to Frio. That was a bit of a reality check. We thought we were in a we shot, but uh, after halftime, they sort of blew us away, one by forty plus points. But- and, then, and then just like I'd go and have a few beers with the boys, and then we fly back home. I think I went to the AFL Mad Monday. Then I went. I'll stop drinking. <laughs> then that Sunday I reckon it was we played in the premiership with the with the zebras, Which was that was a that was a good day out, Optus. We played Geelong. There's a bit of a rivalry back then and um I think I had twenty five and kicked no goals five. <laughs> Yeah, it's good, good day though. It's well, like at
1: least, least you got the foot, at least got the premiership, which is really important. But uh, what an unbelievable grounding, really. The second half of the season, then you're thrown into AFL finals, and Melbourne being bullies in finals back then against St Kilda and Fremantle. eh? <laughs> wasn't that a great year having all those teams in the in the finals, Quinny? So that's quite nice. But what was it about the Saints when you're growing up as a kid? Why did you love the Saints? Was it? I um, was like Robert mum, Harvey.
2: Yeah, yeah. All mum and it sort of came from mum and dad. Um, they were just like yeah they would always been passionate fans and that sort of rubbed off on us kids I still remember going to games I remember going when they um, going to the final training session before the Saints played uh, in the grand final against Adelaide that year I think it was 97 mm-hmm. um, I remember like uh, you, you know, I'd, we'd go down to Moorabbin to train and they'd kick the footies over the fence. Good Macca's, Sharon's. Oh, you'd logo, run off with them, and would you? Pinch them, <laughs> run them back to the car. <laughs> um, every time we went there. But I remember going to that session and they had like, there was like 15,000 people there. I reckon like everyone jumped the fence and kicking the footy after. And No, it was just, a, it was just part of our family. Um, and the connection for me was like, oh, I just loved Robert Harvey. He was like my favourite player wanted to emulate him in every possible way I'd most of most of my junior career I wore 35 and um yeah and
1: then you're playing on him in a final
2: yeah which was That's, kind of I was just pinching myself really and he
1: doesn't stop moving in <laughs> like and at that stage
2: he would have been <laughs> what 36 or something yeah um and I'm like 18 and um <laughs> thinking what the like this is crazy but
0: we well, would have been pretty proud of you because at the top of the show, Croft, you described Nathan as a warrior. And I'll let you play this game, Croft. Over the next 10 seasons, after Nathan cracked into the team and he didn't miss a game from that point on that season, the next 10 seasons, guess how many games Nathan didn't oh. play in for the Melbourne Footy Club?
1: Didn't play in? Oh, he surely didn't play in all of them. No way. Five games. He missed five games. 21, 21,
0: 20, 22, 22, 21, 22, 22, 22, 22. Obviously, you had some luck with injury along the way, but you must have been very tough both physically and mentally because I've got no doubt there are a lot of times where you probably weren't 100%, but you got yourself up there and you represented your club with such pride.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'm trying to work out what the five were that I missed. I reckon I got <laughs> dropped a couple of times. Uh,
1: maybe a suspension. No, I've
2: maybe never suspended. been suspended. Really, never, never been suspended. You were such a
1: thug. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thug. Um, thugs are, That's rough. Um, I reckon. Yeah, right. yeah, I reckon I got dropped a couple of times. I'm not sure why.
1: I um, I think with Nathan's mentality. I'm sure there was plenty of games that you played, carrying many injuries, just yeah, finding yeah. a way to get through there. I can even remember I don't know, if you had a calf issue at one stage, which you just it's no go zone. There's never, there's no way you play. But then, yep, sure enough, he's out there running around. so <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of yeah, injuries, oh, yeah. and that's you know to play those games, you just don't feel good. There's always something going on, and no doubt there was things under, the, definitely. Kept under the carpet. Mm, I remember
2: Cameron Bruce uh, when I was pretty young. There, like, just I'd always ask him. He's like, "No, nah, I've never been a hundred percent. Like, not after your bloody second or third year, you're not a hundred percent." I just reckon I'd always, I reckon I always thought about that. Like, if, if there's a few things you could tick off in training, like, I'm never gonna feel a million bucks. Like, you wouldn't play if you were trying to do that. You know. Um, there's always going to be a little knock or a niggle, a little strain. But, yeah, unless it's real. Well, I struggled later in my career with that because, you know, you become half paranoid, particularly when you do hammies and proper calves, not just like a little nick. But, um, yeah, anyway. Thank you. To, you're, you're, either, you're either, I reckon, you're either mentally able to do that or some aren't. Other guys I've seen that, Unless they feel an absolute million bucks, they won't play. But anyway, here's
0: what it is. Each to their own. Yeah, yeah.
1: So when I think of Nathan Jones and and the Melbourne Football Club, you know, like there was a tough period there where you know there was all sorts of things going off field. Everyone probably was probably that ten year that ten year period you just read out was the tough period. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I think that's why there's there's so much respect there for the way that you went about it because you know it it's. I reckon anyone can get a kick at a good team. You know, you can just slot in, find your spot, as Quinny used to do, stay out wide. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll kick it to you, Quinny, and bring you into the game. <laughs> that type of stuff. But Nath Jones was in the best couple of players every week. He was in the middle of the ground. He's winning the footy, doing all the hard stuff, trying to keep the score uh, board respectable, you know, never giving in, that fighting spirit. And I think every football lover, and every opposition player just knew that, you know what, there's one guy on that team that was going to stand up, and that was Nathan Jones, and that's, you know, I don't know what your goals were when you started your career, is, is oh, I want to play 100 games, or I want to be a consistent player, I don't know what they were, mm. but, you know, like, whatever they were, I, mate, you would have ticked them off yeah. in a big way, because um, you, you were the spirit of that football club, and you held them together when, when there wasn't much hanging that or holding that football club together so you know you, that's something you should be unbelievably proud of of what you've done and not only that you've helped them come through the other side yeah. to be the team that they are today yeah thanks man. so what were your what were your goals when you you started out and how tough was it fronting up each week cuz um, you're just like yeah well I'll you know like some losses are coming your way but yeah. you got to front up and you got to charge in yeah i think um my like early days
2: yeah, after what was it, Danner's uh, left midway through my second year. And then we got Dean Bailey and his coach. And yeah, you sort of sold that, um, the vision of like what's next. And, you know, I, along with everyone else, really believed in that. Um, and we actually were on our way in a way. Um, I think at one stage we sat 10th. And before, oh, it might have been just before we got smash bodge along in that. 186-point loss. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't know. I think initially when I first started, it was, uh, you know, I I probably reflected on uh, a lot from what my parents told me. <clears throat> um, you know, it was probably pretty ingrained about, you know, not taking the easy option and, you know, no matter how hard it gets, you just dig in and you always give your best and those kind of things. Um, and, you know, my career probably – now that I look back, I wouldn't have scripted it that way. But ultimately, um, a lot of the decisions came down to how I was feeling, I guess, morally about the situation. And um, you know, people always ask me, "Oh, what could you have gone to another club and all those kind of things?" In the in some of those really dark periods, and I, I probably could have, but I never really went down that track because I was like, "Well, if I jump ship now, I'm, I'm like." I'm doing. I'm going against everything I've ever really believed in, you know, um, and that's why that's like. Kind of like the link now with the triathlon stuff and wanting to do like some of that extreme training thing because it's just like I don't know. It's an innate thing that I'm. I just want to see how far I can push myself. So there was an element early days was like, well, no matter how hard this gets, I'm not going to give up, kind of thing. And then you know, as that period became more prolonged my role sort of um evolved and i became a leader of the club and then it became not so much about me and the test of me willing to sort of endure that difficult period but can i help and inspire other people to change the direction of where we're going so there was like a bit of an evolution of you know how i originally took on the challenges and the struggles so then you know i felt almost a sense of responsibility because you know after what was it 10 years of pretty much struggling as a team and as a club it got to a point where i was like well if you if if i was to leave like who's ever going to like put a stake in the ground and be like come on like let's let's um let's inspire some change kind of thing so you know you know, fast forward to the period where Rusey became coach, and then we, you know, got the succession going with Goody and those kind of things. At that point in time, I signed a long term deal, and I, I was co captain of the club, and you know, I, I felt a sense of um, responsibility both within myself and then to the wider team and um, and the playing group to to um, I guess stand up and and uh, and say I'm 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 willing to put. Myself on the line, like, let's all go and let's, uh, let's sort of push for change and, yeah, ultimately now we see it out the other side. Unfortunately, I wasn't part of it from a from a playing standpoint, but um, over the last probably, what, five or six years, it's uh, I put a lot of time and effort into hoping, um, or I guess developing and being a part of, you know, shaping the direction and culture that we tried to build.
0: That's right, folks. It's Inside 50 Saturday play. Each week, our man on the trading desk, Bart Kennett, brings us a unique offer. He's a
4: Bombers man, but don't hold that against him. But thanks for joining us. What's the offer for round one? The offer this week, it's $5 for Tom Hawkins and Lance Franklin to combine for six or more goals on Saturday, along with Darcy Parish and Josh Kelly of the Giants to combine for 55 or more disposals. Now hear me on this, the Tomahawk. Over the last five years... He's averaged just a touch under four goals per game against the Dons. In their last meeting alone, he kicks six. And Buddy, well, we all know Buddy's only five goals short of his career 1,000th goal. You know he's going to be demanding plenty of the footy here. This is a record I think he'll want to get out of the way nice and early in the season. I like it. I like it a lot. Croft, what do you think?
1: I like uh, Buddy Franklin. You know, he is, you know, only five off. And I did ask him whether or not I needed to book a ticket to go and watch him kick his seventh goal round one or two yeah. and he said make sure you're there round one so I'm thinking <laughs> that might be five there and then you've got Tomahawk uh, who always delivers and is in good pre-season form
4: Tell us about the midfielders Bart What a year last year for Darcy Parish? Breakout season averaging over 30 disposals per game He's been really well supported again in the Brownlow medal market The punters expect him to continue that form And Josh Kelly well he went about it at 26 disposals per game last year Ultra consistent the last time the Giants met the Swans. He racked up 28 touches. That was in that elimination final win down in Tassie. The Giants will be looking to him again to lift in the local derby. I think you're basically getting $5 on the
0: disposal bet because I think we can pencil in the players to kick the goals.
1: Well, they've got to have the kicking boot on. You know, Buddy can uh, sometimes not have his kicking boot on but I'm I'm, like Darcy Parrish everybody had 43 possessions in one game against them last year. Uh, Josh Kelly floating through the midfield but also out on the wing. I think you just roll with it hopefully start a, uh, a successful AFL season.
0: You can find that offer
1: on the tab at
0: price subject to change and subject to liability cap. No multi bonus cash out, partial cash out or live bets qualify. See market page for details. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help 1-800-858-858. Yeah. And I
1: don't think that's lost. I think everyone in the football world knows that, you know, your fingerprints are all over it. You know, you guys like Max Gorn who, Quinny's mate, who, who rocks into the football club and, and doesn't know how to be a professional and drives along the freeway having a <laughs> having a dart. <laughs> having a dart before train you know, so at some stage they need people like you to go, hey mate, if we're gonna go anywhere, this is what needs to happen and to see him come out the other side, it's the transformation's unbelievable. And yes, they've gotta have the drive with inside them, but they've got to have people in front of them that they can actually watch and learn from yeah. and then grow from. So um, your fingerprints were all over that. And, yeah, it was unbelievable. Really, when you think about the, the grand final, it was, it, it was amazing. And the thing that I loved is, like, they – they wanted. I know you had to go back home. <laughs> you know that's what happens when you're having children, and it's, uh, like it's yeah. you couldn't script this stuff really. Nah, well, then, I
2: couldn't have scripted the last twelve months. That's for sure. Nice, like nah,
1: and that that's the football world, and that's been your journey at the Melbourne Football yeah. Club. Like because you see every now and then you have a nice win, and you think, oh, we're starting to turn, turn, and then all of a sudden, you know, whether it be injuries or people get ahead of themselves, or yeah. you've got the wrong routine, and. You know, and then you fall back. Yeah, yeah. But no, you that's... see those little bits of light every now and then and it just peps you along. But Yeah. Um, and th- the thing is, what I loved, Quinny, about Melbourne winning this year, all they wanted to do was reconnect with Nate in some way. They wanted to get him on the phone. They wanted to, you know, make sure that he didn't forget that, hey, mate, you actually drove a lot of this. You've been the, the you know, the, the key ingredient to us. Changing and and moving forward, so that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that turned out that way. But without Nathan driving along, it wouldn't be the situation that it is today.
0: There's absolutely no doubt about that. And no, I will touch on 2021 in just a sec. Before we get that far ahead, though, I do want to go back to 2006 because you're playing a team that's two wins outside the grand final, and it did look on paper a really nice combination of some good experienced players and some really good young players yeah. coming through. So. The question, you look back, where did it go wrong and what do you think the club didn't do at the time that they could have done differently to ensure that the bottom out never happened?
2: Yeah. You're stretching my memory here. Um, You remember, I'm only 19 (laughs) at the time. I wasn't taking much in back then. Um, Like, I don't know why, what happened at the start of night, was it 2007? I don't really know. Like, all all I can really remember from that year when I think about it, was uh, Dan, we played Essendon in his last game. I remember playing on James Heard. These are just the random things I remember from that year. Uh, my wife actually went overseas. Well, she was my girlfriend at the time, went overseas for that year.
1: It said buggy, Nathan.
2: I'm, <laughs> yeah, out, of I'm out of here. <laughs> um, his footy stuff, <laughs> too, too much pressure. Um, <laughs> and I think in I finished that season – with the second rising star and second in our best and fairest to James McDonald, but we had a terrible season. And then from that point on, I don't really, I don't really recall too much more of that year other than, you know, Bomber Riley took over as an, as the interim Dean Bailey got appointed as coach. And then we sort of started a new journey. And, um, I guess my, my, experience now would suggest that um looking at that period probably over 5 years so Bailey Neild, I would have liked us to have maintained some of our more experienced players <clears throat> um I think we moved my, my opinion is I think maybe we moved some of them on too quickly and threw too much responsibility on on younger less experienced up and coming players rather than having um Guys like you know Cameron Bruce who went to Hawthorne, um, James McDonald who left went to GWS, Brent Maloney who left went to Brisbane, Mark Jamar left, um, like these kind of guys around Brad Miller left. The like maybe not necessarily they're going to give us a huge amount on field, but it's what you were saying before, Crawford, just setting the standard and the tone for training and behaviours and expectations and, um, you know, they drive like a level. Uh, um, Greeny's another one. And then there's an element of selfless selflessness involved in those senior guys and whether they're willing to stick around, but just that option to be there and be a part of bringing through that next generation. And I think, you know, you cut them off at the knees and, and they finish their careers. A lot of responsibility goes on to, Young shoulders that one are trying to figure their way out in the game from a playing standpoint and a standard standpoint, and um, even just to tra- like just how to train and what to do. Now they've got the ex- an added expectation of you know winning and these kind of things without even really figuring out what what it takes to perform individually. And then I felt like we were just in a real. Bind at that point, you know, it sort of compounded over a few years, um, and and then ultimately, you know, you couple that with the with a poor culture where we, I think, we sort of lacked foundations at the bottom and sort of leadership from the top, and that filtered its way through the club, um, and you know, we went through a really difficult. Probably the worst part was, um. You know, the Bailey era where there's been sort of like the question marks around tanking, probably that was my worst year, I reckon, into, you know, the first couple of years of Nealty, which was which was a real struggle. Um, and yeah, I just felt like we sort of really lacked direction as a club. We lacked leadership at the top. And um, and ultimately, what I, what I feel real fortunate is that I've been able to see that total transformation and why we actually got it right from the time that Peter Jackson started we appointed Rosie we had a very clear plan it was obvious from the top all the way down we progressed into um goody becoming <coughs> the uh the succession and there was a there was a um a total commitment over a period of time where we built genuine foundations in terms of like You know, what standards and behaviours are acceptable at the club? You know, what's our team ethos, our club ethos? What are our focuses? What are our priorities? And that filtered from the top all the way down to the footy department. Ultimately, you know, we wanted to be, you know, some of the key things where we wanted to become an elite professional football team and winning was our focus kind of thing. And that was like, (laughs) it's funny, but that's probably the first time I heard something like, you know, goals and... um, aspirations like that from the club was like 10 years into my career I was like finally we we've, we've got our focus right you know this is what we're here for we're an elite professional footy team that's what we're aiming to be and and throughout my journey up to that point we heard a whole heap of different things and you know there's messages being sold to players that you know we got a pretty good list and we were lucky with the draft because we went through a period where we got early picks and stuff and, We'll be good when we get 100 games into our our boys. But like you're forgetting that you're setting them up by not teaching them the right way about it, you know, how to win, how to lose, how to respond, how to train, standards, behaviours. And that's got to be filtered through the whole club from the top down. And finally we got that right probably five or six years ago. And that's not to say there was lineal improvement all the way to the top, like... Peter Jackson and Maroosie didn't come in and we didn't just get on a rocket and win. Like, you know, we went backwards a couple of steps back in 19, a couple of small steps forward in 20, and then we make a massive leap. Um, We play in prelim in 18. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey, but I feel grateful to have experienced that because it's like, yeah, I, I think it'd be – well, to be honest, it'd be a pretty cushy ride and I would have loved it had I been at Hawthorne won four flags. But, you know, I, I think you've got to look at it glass half full and um, all of those experiences and opportunities and um, and learnings I've had along my journey have probably shaped me into the person I am today. So, you know, I'm grateful for those chances.
1: And and coming through, like you've – obviously it's been an unbelievable roller coaster, And then to actually see the club – you know, it become a great club, you know, a club that everyone, you know, wants to know what's the, what's, yeah. the what's the secret? What what have you done differently? So it's it's nice that you've been able to Yep. We were down, yeah. we were out, like this, you know, this is not the way that you run clubs, this is not the way that you you try to yeah improve and get yourself going. But uh to pop out the end and that's sort of a very similar path to myself is you come out the end and you see a well-drilled, well-organised, yeah. well-coached club. It's like, oh, where, where was this? <laughs> exactly. Where, where was this? We were sort of battling in the trenches. So that must be really nice to you and, and even a lot of the players that I used to play with that didn't – that were there when we did it really tough, I'd sort of – you know, I – The only thing I regret is they didn't get to see or be a part of something that was well-drilled, well-organised and it just sort of was like a a nice, well-oiled machine. It just got humming along.
2: You compare, I compare the tough years to the last few and as much as it might have been tough, like personally, like when you you were playing and even just part of training and just being around the club, it's just a different vibe, a different energy, you know, it's just like – this is what it should be, you know, super professional, you know, most boxes being ticked, always aspiring to be better, you know, really clear and concise messaging. You know, there's an element of like a pretty, like if you're in a uh, highly stressed environment, which is when you're losing and struggling and even
1: when you're winning, it's stressful. Well,
2: yeah, but it's like, (laughs) it's not the same kind of thing. You know, there's an element of expectation, but like, the amount of fun we had in the last year or two, even the hub, hub year where we didn't quite make finals, but the, you could feel something was brewing. And, it, like, the amount of, you know, the fun and the energy that we had, you know, that's what footy is about. Like, But for most of my career, it was, like, hide away and, like, far out, here we go again kind of thing. Like, I still remember it. You know, we lose games, and I didn't want to get out of the car and pick up burgers from Grilled on the way home. And like, <laughs> didn't want to go to the pub. Yeah, you get you a know. Melbourne supporter, <laughs>
1: like, you feel for the supporter, yeah, too because yeah, you know oh, 100%, they're invested, 100%. But it's, it's, it is, you, you, you feel embarrassed, yeah, even though you're like, well, I don't know what else we can do, we're trying, yeah, yeah, we're just not capable, we can't, we're not, we were not
2: capable, yeah. And, um, so the difference in that is like, yeah, it's poles apart but it's like such a it's a real rewarding feeling having lived both um and that's the one thing I've stressed to so many boys like that didn't get to experience what it's been like previously like don't take it for granted like every single day keep striving to be better and then you got guys like track and and clayton like look at the standard they're setting now I uh, only read some stuff the other day about track training like a week or two after the granny lock. Like, that's exactly what you want from your leaders because he's setting the standard now for Luke Jackson and Trent Rivers and they'll be doing the same to the new draft picks that come in in three or four years' time and that's how you build like, a sustainable culture that will be successful for a long period of time. Like You look, you look at teams like Hawthorne, Sydney, Geelong, West Coast to a certain degree like how have they been so good and so strong for so long it's because of the, the example and um, standards that their leaders of the club set and I think now finally Melbourne's got that with, with Max and, and Track and the players I've mentioned Steve May and Jake Lever and these kind of guys that are just really setting the setting the bar high Um, and they're not resting on their laurels whether they win the flag or not this year I know they're giving themselves every chance you only have to go and talk to them and watch them train and watch the first scratch match Um, so yeah which which is a cool thing because it's like you could easily they and maybe in some capacity you could excuse them for just being so you know just overwhelmed with having got the job done last year but I think that's an example of where the culture's got to now and hopefully that, that means for our fans in particular who have been long-suffering, that means that they see a team and they're proud of the way they play for many, many years to come, not just sort of like in and out and then they're part of the despair again, which I, I can't see how it's possible that we'd we'd ever be back there.
3: Get ready to play everywhere, Australia. The AFL is here. And with Tab's Same Game Multi, you can combine all your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, total points, and anytime goal scorer, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. Available on every AFL game this season. Build your same game multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play.
2: Available online for Tab Account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gamblers Help one 800 858 858
0: how great was 2018 for you and the team to get back to the finals? Obviously, just one win away from making a grand final. All those years of hurt were finally coming out the other end.
2: Well, that was probably the funnest year I've had, I reckon. Um, and it was a weird one too because it's like I think publicly everyone was like, wow, where's this come from? And this great expectation whereas internally, like, for us, it sort of came out of nowhere. Like, I still remember that season – we got smashed by like 65 points, I reckon it was, at the G against Hawthorne. Goody gave us an like an almighty touch-up about our willingness to play for the team and play for each other and play our roles and all these kind of things. And I was thinking, man, we've still got such a way to go. But it was like, that was like line in the sand of that year. It was midway through the year after that Hawks loss. And we just really committed to executing our role and that was it. Um, and playing for the team and for each other. And we just got on a roll. And when you're on, on a roll like that with the momentum, it's like so much fun. Because like you're not really even trying. It's like you're just rocking up every week and you're bringing some sort of energy knowing you, you're you going to win. And that's what we did. And it was funny because it was like we were just ticking off. It was like all these outside opinions were, oh, they haven't beaten a top four team and they haven't won this many in a row. And, and we just kept doing it. It was like one in a row, or like two in a row, three in a row five in a row and then we beat like sixth on the ladder and then we play we go over to west coast and we smack them over there and we come back here and we play gd obviously the g and they're still saying oh i'm not sure they'll get that done we beat them too and then we play a final jeez it's big a lot of pressure beat them yeah it was good fun until we ran into a brick wall and we went back to wa <laughs> but um but now i think all those lessons like then people will say, like, what happened from 18 to 22 or 21? But for me, that's, like, just a sign of, like, maturity. Like, you think about all those boys that played in 18, you know, Track, Harms, Oliver, these kind of guys. They're all 21, 22. You fast forward two or three years, they're now 24 to 26 and all of those learnings and experiences that they've had along the way. One, to get to playing the prelim in 18. Then, then for us to then to go through a preseason where there's great expectation and we should bounce back to then having a really poor year. It's like dealing with that, another experience for them. Then they reverse that, have a really good pre-season. We start to really improve again as a team but don't quite make finals. And then we spoke a lot about little things, you know, um, and how that every little bit matters. And then we go away again, have a really strong preseason, really, really refine everything and align everything. And then, yeah, with a bit of luck, some magic happened, and we we got the job done.
1: There was a lot of magic, and then you've thrown a few names out there, and I'm like, you mentioned Luke Jackson. The first time I saw him play, I'm like, "Oh, hang on, how good's this guy? You oh, know, man, for a big guy!" You wait. And now you got the Melbourne. <laughs> now you got the Melbourne hat off, and I know we all get carried away, but I'm like, Max Gorn's a star, and I love him. And yeah, he's, yeah. he's a media star. I, lo- I love Max Gorn. but I'm like Luke Jackson. I think if he can keep going, he's going to have a better career. Man, he, and, he. Am I crazy? No, no, you're not. He, he is. He's a, a
2: freak. Freak. Yeah. Like, uh, oh. If if I'm this manager at the club, if he doesn't go back to Western up. Australia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, like he's <laughs> uh, and he's a ripping, ripping kid. Um, well, I love him, and um, and yeah, he he's like ultra, ultra talented. Like basket, he basketball, basketball background, like like, yeah, a he's like an elite runner. But you should see him at, like at ground level is where he really, yeah. really shines. Like. And we worked a lot last year because he played predominantly as a as a sort of tall second ruck option. But it's like he was basically a small in the forward line. Like we were just getting him to bring the ball to ground then get him on the ground kind of thing. And he chases and tackles and, and, you know, uses his big body to clear space and stuff. And and you only have to watch the granny. Like he had such a great influence, oh, yeah. um, you know, when particularly when the game was on the line. And he just gives us such a – change up like he's so different to the way Gorney plays and and that just allows us to really change the look of our forward line and change the look of our midfield it's not you're not carrying two massive giants in like he's essentially another mid and he plays like that too Um, yeah he's a special talent Real special,
1: yeah. If if I was uh, Fremantle or West Coast, I'd oh. be going so hard <laughs> to get that kid back to West Australia. Oh. And if I was Melbourne, I'd be like, "Hey, just." I've I've questioned find him on
2: that. I've said to him, "I'm like, you <laughs> won't go back home, sure." He goes, "No, nah, no, nah, I won't." And I'm like, "I'll hold you to that. Trust me." <laughs> and, uh, but he's like, "No, nah, I won't. I won't. I love it here. I
1: love it here." So we'll wait and see. And money will talk. Well, hopefully not in well, his case. But he looks like he's having a great time, and he looks yeah, like well, he, he loves and the and Melbourne family. But and and. I always say Christian Petrarca. Everyone says Petrarca. We're all over the place all the time. But I got roasted. I think there was an article written um, last year where I said um, uh, there was a block of games. I th- I said, oh, I think Christian Petrarca's gone past Dustin Martin in the last five or six games. You know, like, and boy, did they come out of the woodwork and jump all over me. But it, he, uh, he has, I, I don't know what it is, whether or not, you know the light bulb's gone on. Yeah, or the penny or not. penny definitely oh, has it yeah. because he's unstoppable. Yeah. Like one on one, it's a disaster for the opposition. <coughs> and um, you know, even this year there was two, three opponents. Um It's quite incredible, and those guys are great to watch at training as well. Yeah, because yeah. well, they, he's the like, training exciting. It's fun. Fa- it's
2: so funny. Like thinking back to like where he's come from to where he is now like rocks in, ultra-talented kid, very unsure of himself, lacks a fair bit of confidence, to then now, like, look at him. He's a genuine leader of our club, like, got, like the whole list would look up to him. Um, and the amount of time and how dedicated and, I guess, just, like, how focused and how detailed he is with his, with his prep, like, There's no reason why he's the best... Like, that's the reason why he's the best player in the comp. Um, Like, he he puts so much time in, and he's so committed. And the example I gave you before about him training, like, that's no joke. Like, he just... He... And he would... And the thing I think everyone loves about him is that he just loves the boys, and he loves playing for his teammates. It's not about him. Um, As much as it is about him, if that makes sense, like, he he wants to be the best player and he is our best player quite potentially um but ultimately he'd or he's he's so willing and selfless to do his role for the team as well and um you know he, he along with probably a, there's a real nucleus of guys there now but they all made genuine commitments to making a real shift now I even think back to like 18 and compare 18 Petrarca to now. And he's just come along in leaps and bounds as far as, you know, his willingness to play his role for the team and, you know, sacrifice and be selfless for the team to, you know, if he's getting tagged, you know, just making some subtle shifts. Whereas previously, if he wasn't getting a kick, it was all about him and he'd just, you know, go into his shell and super quiet and give nothing um, to now he comes out of himself and you know, whether he's had forty and kick four or he's had twenty, you don't see any difference in him. And that's just the maturity of him and that's the you know, those guys have just learnt and um you know, they've learnt and emulated from, you know, people like me and Max and Tom McDonald and these more senior guys, Nev Jetta that have come along and they've watched us and they've built their own sort of habits and behaviours, but at the same time he's got the mentality and the willingness to do that as well and he puts in the work and, yeah, he's a, spe- he's a special player and I still think he's got another level or two to go oh, to. Gee.
1: another level, of, oh my goodness. <laughs> Look out, that's, that's scary. And what, what about you, like 300 games, when you think of, there's a very small percentage of players that play that long, so when you, and you probably haven't reflected too much. You've, no, as no, you no. said, you've tried to focus on you know moving forward. Moving, yeah. yeah, don't look in the rear vision. Yeah. Let's go. But three hundred games of AFL football for a young kid who just wanted an opportunity. Yeah. To love the Saints. It, it must blow you away when you think of it like that.
2: Yeah, I think the even more so that um, in the history of Melbourne, there's only been one other, and that's like when I think about that, with old who was that Nita. Oh, neater. Yeah. He and was a uh, gun. Uh, yeah. And the only, uh, and like where, and then if you look at Melbourne as being one of the few, I think one of the oldest sporting clubs, not football clubs, sporting clubs in the world.
1: Was it 150 years or something? Or oh, more
2: than that now. Is it'd it be it? 180, I reckon, maybe. Jeez. Have to look that up. But um, yeah, so that's a pretty big honour. Um, yeah, I would have... I. I still would have loved to, the competitor in me is like I would have loved to have played more, but um, no, nah, I'm, I'm uh, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with my career and uh, you know, I enjoyed that journey, but I think for me, it's just part of my mentality. It's like, now what's next? A bit like yep. what we we're saying before, like, got other challenges, and um, you know, there's heaps of you know, good things going on in my life with family and. Um, you know, new career path and all those kind of things. So it's like, you know, on to the next thing kind of thing. I don't I haven't really thought about it too much, but um, you know, I will miss it, that's for sure. I've uh, I've had a reality check in the last week or two, I finally got a proper job and <laughs> um so I didn't do much like I said, I think I might have said it earlier in the in, at the start, like um once the season ended and I retired and we had our twins and I was like, I'm going to take 12 months off. I need to have a break. Like, I'm mentally cooked. And um, <laughs> and then it got to, like, January. I'm like, fire. I'm so bored. <laughs> 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 I'm like, I'm, I need to get find something to do. And I wasn't really sure because I hadn't taken too much up. And then all of a sudden, a week or two ago, it all came in a rush. You know, some different footy opportunities within the media potentially and um, do some stuff at my kid's school with footy. And then I got offered a job in a property development space, which that was that's something I'm really interested in, and I couldn't pass it up. So then all of a sudden I've gone from doing bugger all to just like (laughs) I've literally been. I get up from five (laughs) to seven and train for my Ironman. Yep, and then go to drop the kids at school, go to work from eight thirty to five. I'm like, man, I don't know how people have done this like living (laughs) living a so living a cushy life playing footy for sixteen years, but um. No, it's been fun and um, I'm excited about that next journey,
1: next phase. And, and training in the dark too, getting up and training in the dark. Football, you know, we're so lucky. You <laughs> run around the middle of the day, the sun's shining, mostly in Melbourne. Um, you look around and you think, oh, wow, this is my i tell job. you what, though. It's another world out there
2: at 5 a.m. If you haven't, it's like it's busy. There's,
1: there's people everywhere. Yeah, a lot of people like to get up early Bikes and, and running and I'm like... Wow, didn't know this existed.
0: <laughs> if you can get up, it's the best time of the day to be awake. Now, we've got to let you go in a sec, you're going to go do some real work, but I do need to ask you, what were you like watching the 2021 Grand Final? What was Nathan Jones as a spectator like, and did you have lots of emotions running through the body that night?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I did, think. Did um, you think you were going to win? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Um, um, during the game, I was a bit nervous, particularly when the dogs got on a bit of a roll, but Really, the grand final unfolded like practically every other game did for us that year. Like, we teams tested us right up to half time. It's like we sort of find our groove and then all of a sudden, bang, we just pull it all together. Um, but no, I had a whole heap of emotions. Like, I I was, a, I pretty much, I would have been emergency for the game had I not left. Um, I was, I'd been emergency for five weeks, but I think, leading up to all the finals and stuff. And with the limited opportunity due to COVID and and VFL season being cancelled and stuff like, in the games that we did play, I probably played the best I'd played in a few years, and that came from Goody as well. Like he's like, I haven't seen you play or move like that for at least a couple of years, um, <clears throat> which made it even more mm. difficult to swallow because it was like, I
1: only needed a chance, um, and and, uh, and do you know what, deep down, I think football lovers. We were sort of hoping, like, <laughs> you, you, don't, like you don't want... But, yeah. It was it's weird. Know. It was a weird and one was, for me And that's part a- of
2: the reason why I made the call, because ultimately with the granny, the only real chance for me to play was if someone then went down. And I was like, I'm not sticking around for that. Like, that's... I would not wish that on anyone kind of thing. And, you know, it's like I would stick around for two more weeks, miss the birth of my kids, and basically the only real chance for me to play is if someone breaks a leg, does a hammy, pops a shoulder. I'm like i got to go home, be with my family and um, and I'm real grateful that I did and and ultimately it turned out that way. Like the boys end up getting the job done, everyone gets through fit and we win. I, I just had to swallow that pill and be like, that's part of the script for me, you know, I could not and I put hand on heart, couldn't have done any more. Gave myself every chance as far as like being fit and being in form. It's just the way it goes. Like that's just, it's just tough to that's footy. Um, right place, right time. We had an unbelievably lucky year with injuries, um, and I, I'm on the cusp, like pra- practically, twenty third, twenty fourth man for most of the year, really. Um, and uh, the rest is history. Um, like I said, you know, it is what it is. I'm like not not bitter about it. Um, would have loved to it to have gone the other way, but ultimately, you know, in the end, it's just footy. And like I've said a few times, so many good things going on in my life. It's um, I'm not just going to pin my, I guess my um, you know, how I look at myself and those kind of things, just to to my career. Um, you know, I gave everything, put blood, sweat, and tears into it, and um, and that's the journey that I went on, and you know, that's the script that was written.
0: You're an absolute Melbourne legend. Thank you so much for having a chat today. Cannot wait to see you and eight other Melbourne legends <laughs> go
1: out before round one <laughs> hey, to present yeah, yeah. that flag. Or oh, the Hawaiian Ironman. <laughs> <The> absolutely <laughs> superb. Oh, my, the my, toughest, my, toughest my, in the world. Maybe we'll see how we go, Chris. I have no doubt you're going to oh,
0: on on it. That. Oh,
2: that's, a, that's the ultimate goal. But go. I don't know if I can fit it in.
0: There's the headline. With the um, footy field to Hawaii,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jonesy. Thanks so much no, having chat. Clubs. We love you. Well done for everything you did for that footy club.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks, congratulations, congratulations me. mate. Great nice career. career. Well done.